Welcome to this edition of Code Talk, the concise podcast to help you get to know the National Electrical Code. I'm your host, Frank Seiler, based in Spokane, Washington, and today's episode is entitled Mind Mapping the NEC, Chapter 2, Wiring and Protection. So for this episode, we're backtracking just a little. We uh, drove right into the first article of Chapter 2 without a proper introduction. And yet Chapter 2 has a wide-ranging theme. It's entitled Wiring and Protection. Now it's somewhat misnamed because it's not about the physical wiring or the physical protection of the wiring system. Really it's about where in the wiring system we are located and then How is that portion of the wiring system electrically protected? However, by sketching this out can serve as a canvas or a backdrop, and we can pretty well commit to memory how the entire NEC, at line voltage, mind you, is put together. So if you're listening where you can sketch along, make sure to grab a piece of paper and pencil, and uh, if you need to, you can briefly pause the podcast, jump online to www inw-training.com and the right hand margin you're going to find the uh, menu item podcast click on that and then underneath podcast notes and grab the ones for episode six it is a two-page pdf that gives you a basic template and then you can fill in the rest with your own notes if you don't have access to that maybe grab a piece of paper and we'll try to sketch it out if not uh, on paper perhaps mentally Now, if you do have a piece of paper, it's easiest to turn it horizontally, landscape format, so that you have enough room. And then what you might want to do is just draw yourself a thin guideline across the entire page, horizontally across the middle. On the very left, draw yourself a transformer, symbol for a transformer. And then about a third of the way in, a breaker or main disconnect. Then another third of the page over, a sub-panel. And then to the right of that, maybe a light or an outlet, something that's going to serve as a load. We are drawing in a one-line fashion here. So really, just one of the hot conductors is all we need. And that's all we're going to draw from the transformer to the main breaker, from the main breaker to the subpanel, and from a breaker in the subpanel to your light or receptacle. If you're using colored markers, make this wire red. And then... Draw a box around each of these four pieces of equipment to serve as an enclosure for them. Maybe use blue for these. Then you also want to grab a gray marker and draw an additional line from the transformer to a neutral bar in the disconnect, and from there to another neutral bar in the subpanel. Finally, from the subpanel neutral to the load, such as the light or receptacle. And if you're thinking, hey, shouldn't that be a white wire? Yes. It could be gray. Listen to the previous episode. But white has a distinct problem on a white piece of paper. So I chose gray to kind of give us a mental image. Next, you want to grab a green marker if you have one and draw a wire from the neutral bus in the main disconnect to a ground bus in the subpanel. 
than from the ground bus in the subpanel to the light or receptacle enclosure. We're going to do a few more things with the green wire in a bit, but for now we have an electrical system that we can start adding information to. So just to recap, on the left we've got a transformer, then a bit of a space, we have a main disconnect, such as a main breaker, then a bit of a space, a subpanel, and then a bit of a space, we have some utilization equipment. We have a conductor that goes from the transformer to the disconnect, from the disconnect to the subpanel, and then from one of the breakers in the subpanel to our light or our receptacle. We also have a neutral that we can follow all the way from the utility transformer through the main disconnect, through the subpanel, all the way to our utilization equipment. At the main disconnect, we came off the neutral bar, ran over to the subpanel, and tied that to a ground bus. That's a green wire. And then from that ground bus, we also went to the utilization equipment. Okay, so those four items are what we should kind of have in front of us. And at this point, starting on the left, we can take a look at the utility transformer. If you were with us on the last episode, perhaps you downloaded the notes to that, there were different transformer systems. In our mind, we're going to picture a single-phase transformer. Now, of course, the utility has grounded the secondary of the transformer. In other words, they've gone from the neutral terminal, or the XO terminal, and they've bonded to the case, and they've got a grounding electrode system. So take a green marker and go from the neutral in the transformer to the transformer case, and then also to a grounding electrode. Now for the utility, that might be a ground rod. It might be some bare copper wire that's rolled up and dropped in the hole before the pole is set, or perhaps the pole has a butt plate on it. Anyway, whatever the utility used, that's fine. It makes sure that the neutral is at zero volts to ground, and that the utility's enclosures and surge arresters have a ground reference to be connected to. Now note there's no grounding wire between the utility and the first disconnect. They send us two hots and a neutral, the neutral being the grounded conductor in the system. All right then, now that we've got these items placed, we can add a few things to our notes. First of all, we want to find the red wire between the utility transformer and the first disconnect. You want to label that particular conductor the service conductor, and put Article 230 with it. Service conductor, Article 230. And the service conductor is essentially the conductor between the utility's point of demarcation, or service point, up till our first overcurrent device that also acts as the disconnect. We could have an overhead service conductor or an underground service conductor. An overhead service conductor would be a service drop. There are a couple of references that are useful here. So if it's overhead, a service drop, we might want to consider clearances. 230.24a, which is clearances above a rooftop, and 230.24b, which are clearances above grade. So 230.24a and b are important references. What if we're coming underground? Well, the service conductor that's underground is called the service lateral. And if the wire is under our jurisdiction, that is customer owned rather than utility owned or customer installed or electrician installed rather than utility installed, and it is not under the jurisdiction of the utility, 
The burial depths that we would want to follow are found in 300.5. So 300.5. And a couple of typical depths there are if we are in direct burial wire, that we need 24 inches of cover. If we are in non-metallic conduit, like PVC, that we need 18 inches of cover. Now in your area, you might have deeper distances that you need to follow, especially if you're under the utilities rules. So consult with your utility first. If the wire is actually owned by the utility and perhaps you're just installing the conduit for them, perhaps they want 36 inches of cover. So be mindful of that. All right, burial depths, 300.5. The next section that we want to find is the wire between the main disconnect and the subpanel. So between the main disconnect and the subpanel, you want to label at the feeder and article 215. What are feeders? Well, feeders are used for distribution. And something that all feeders have in common is that they have overcurrent protection at the start, and then downstream they land in something that has more overcurrent protective devices. And so going from a main disconnect to a subpanel, that wire would be called a feeder. Finally, between the subpanel and the load, such as our light or receptacle, we want to put the title branch circuit and along with branch circuit, Article 210. Branch circuit, Article 210. Well, what's a branch circuit? A branch circuit is considered to be from the last overcurrent protective device in the system to the utilization equipment. Actually, in the definition, it says to the outlet or outlets. And then an outlet is defined as the connection to utilization equipment. Now, it's true that a receptacle is an outlet, but really it's talking about any kind of connection to utilization equipment here. And so that's the branch circuit. All right, now that we've got the wiring parts, service, feeder, branch circuit, the three main components that we have in any line voltage system, we can focus on the protection aspect of chapter two. First of all, we can put one large bracket around the whole diagram, everything from the utility transformer on not including the utility transformer and the utility's wires. They size things differently. But from the point of service, where the utility stops and our wiring starts, all the way down to the wiring that hits our utilization equipment, we can bracket that with Article 220, Load Calculations. Now, while at the branch circuit level, we will generally size our demand loads at 100% and continuous loads at 125%, as we look at feeders and then further back at the service conductors, we gain the ability to use demand factors for diversity of loads. And again, I'm speaking in general terms here. There are exceptions in special cases. We will dive into these in later podcasts. So as we look at the page now, we can kind of draw a dashed line or maybe have a highlighter. Draw a dashed line from the top to the bottom, right through the middle of the main disconnect. And when you look at that line, everything on the left is much less electrically protected. So generally, we give it more physical protection. Whereas things on the right of that line are much more electrically protected. We have overcurrent protection and grounding and bonding. And at times, the code then permits a less robust wiring method. Now, of course, one major way to electrically protect a system is by providing overcurrent protection. 
at the service disconnect location, we do that. The other thing that we do is provide a grounding and bonding system at that point. But first, let's focus on the overcurrent protection. So whether you're looking at the overcurrent protection at the main disconnect or in the subpanel, we can draw an arrow to a couple of our circuit breakers and write overcurrent protection and article 240. Overcurrent protection is a complete term that can be broken up into three aspects. Short circuit protection, that's a line-to-line -line fault. Ground fault protection, that's protecting against a line-to-case fault. And overload protection. An overload is a bit too much current, but it's not caused by a short circuit or ground fault. Overloads can be divided up into those that are temporary, like a motor starting or an air conditioner starting up. They have inrush current or sustained overloads, such as a failed bearing in a machine. A temporary overload, generally, we just want to ride through. Whereas a sustained overload, we want the breaker to trip before the insulation falls off the wire. So, for Article 240, a couple of references that we want to get to know well. The basic rules are in 240.4. 240.4b, as in boy, has the general rounding rules. The sizes that we want to get to know are the general sizes that are common for all standard breakers and fuses. You find those in 240.6. So 240.4b, the rounding rules. As an example, if our conductor meets the load calculation but does not land on a standard breaker or fuse size and we're below 800 amps, generally we can round to the next standard breaker. So we have to know what the standard breakers are. Those are in 240.6. 240.4D, as in dog, also has the small conductor rules along with references to special cases such as tap rules and also special equipment. So 240.4B, D, and 240.6. All right then, let's shift gears to Article 250. Article 250 is entitled Grounding and Bonding. In broad terms, grounding is connecting something especially an electrical system, to earth, whereas bonding is making sure that all of the non-current carrying parts, the things that normally don't carry current, such as enclosures, conduit, raceways, mounting racks, that they are bonded together so they're electrically continuous. In case something energizes it, we have a way to clear that fault. So at the main service disconnect, we have to provide a grounding electrode system. The description and installation rules for the grounding electrode system are found starting in 250.50. First it describes them, then it tells you how to install them, then it tells you how to connect them together. Now we need a conductor to connect from the neutral bar to this grounding electrode system. This conductor is the grounding electrode conductor often abbreviated GEC. So label the wire that goes from the neutral down to your grounding electrode system, the grounding electrode conductor, and beside that put table 250.66. So grounding electrode conductor, table 250.66. Also, if you're in the codebook, take a note of the three exceptions to sizing in the text for 250.66 when it comes to ground rods and plates, concrete encased electrodes, and ground rings. 
Next, also in the main disconnect, we need to bond the neutral. This is our path back to the transformer in case part of the system energizes a case or an enclosure or a, uh, a conduit. This is our safety net right here. So we're going to bond the neutral. Draw a green jumper between the neutral bar of the disconnect and the enclosure. Now granted, this is usually a green screw that the manufacturer has provided, especially if you're working in a smaller panel. But if we have to size a wire for this function, we want to label it Main Bonding Jumper, MBJ, Main Bonding Jumper, and alongside of it put Table 250.102C. Now this table relies on the size of the hot conductors coming into the enclosure that do not yet have overcurrent protection on them. So it's based on the size of the conductors coming in on the left side of that main disconnect. Note that this table is also for a number of other bonding jumpers ahead of overcurrent protection. And in future episodes, we'll take a close look at these functions for these particular bonding jumpers. Lastly, we want to find the green wire that goes from the main disconnect to the subpanel. That is, from the main disconnect neutral to the subpanel ground bus. And then also the wire that goes from the subpanel ground bus to the enclosure of your load in the branch circuit. This is the equipment grounding conductor. We want to label it as that. That is, equipment grounding conductor. And beside it, note the table, table 250.122. We should also take note that generally in a subpanel, the ground bus would be mounted directly to the enclosure. If not, there would have to be a bonding jumper to the enclosure, sized with the same table. Now, as you look at this particular table, table 250.122, you will see that it's dependent on the overcurrent device size that protects that particular feeder or that particular branch circuit. Lastly, we have a few leftovers in Chapter 2. If you've kind of been keeping score and scratching off the different articles in Chapter 2, there's three left. You can kind of bracket the feeder and branch circuit together, and around those two write Article 225, Outside Feeders and Branch Circuits. We might not have any, but in case we do, this is the article to consult. And there are very few special things in here, but one of the main things in Article 225 is that when we enter a second structure, we will be required to provide a disconnect. So typically we're going to have a main and a disconnect when we come to a second structure. That's for a feeder. If it's a branch circuit, we still have to have a disconnect. Then we're left with two types of overvoltage protection, surge arrest and surge protection. In the 2017 article, this is articles 280 and 285. In the 2020 article, there's been a revision Overvoltage protection has become Article 242. It contains a lot of the information that Articles 280 and 285 have in the 2017 NEC. I'm going to stick with the 2017 language for now because most uh, states have not adopted the 2020 at the time of this recording. So we want to draw an arrow to the left of the utility transformer. If you don't have any room there, just kind of squeak in an arrow to the left of that. Surge arresters, that's Article 280, surge arresters, are for systems over 1,000 volts 
and typically shunt over voltages to ground. That doesn't mean that they're always used by the utility. If a private entity had a system over a thousand volts, these are the rules. Article 280 would contain the rules for them. Now to the right of that, that is on systems that are thousand volts or less, those are surge protective devices. We find those in Article 285. And they typically shunt over voltages to the neutral. Surge protective devices are divided up into several types. And if you still have room on your diagram, you can kind of draw an arrow to the various places. A Type 1 surge protective device, or SPD, can be ahead of the service, that is, ahead of the main breaker, without overcurrent protection. The most common type that we see in, directly in panel boards or as added equipment to panel boards are Type 2 SPDs. They can be right at the service panel, however, they have to have overcurrent protection. Type 3 SPDs need overcurrent protection and at least 30 feet of conductor between it and the power source. So most often these are a branch circuit device. Perhaps they're a receptacle with a built-in surge protector. And then the Type 4 surge protective devices are ones that we would find in equipment that is generally cord and plug connected. So with surge protective devices, the lower the number, the more robust the protection. And so that gives us a mind map of everything that is in Chapter 2. We have the three elements of a wiring system, service, feeder, branch circuit. Then we have several ways that we protect the electrical system. Grounding and bonding is one of them. The other one is overcurrent protection. We also have surge arrest and surge protection. To make sure that things are sized properly, we have requirements in Article 220 for load calculations. And finally, we have Article 225 for outside feeders and outside branch circuits. Well, that does it for this episode. I hope you found it useful. If things are a little bit of a blur after the episode, I really encourage you to download the starting template for podcast episode 6 from our website. It gives a good starting point with all three main components already on the page, and then you can add this information to it. Now, why did I record this particular episode? This is something that I do in class quite often when we talk about things in Chapter 2. I'll actually draw or sketch this out. If you can draw out this entire mind map, it will really help put meaning to the codebook, how it's put together. And each time you do it, you're going to remember more and more of the references, and you can add more references to it as needed for your particular part of the trade. It will help you on the test. When you open up one of the keyword indexes, and you get five or six references for one keyword. Having this structure in mind is going to help you isolate the one that's most relevant to the test question. So hopefully this was useful to you. Next, we're going to consider Article 210, Branch Circuits. No mind mapping there. We are going to uh, tunnel deep into very particular installations, and it's going to definitely be more than one episode. This is one of the larger articles in fact, between services, feeders, and branch circuits, this is the largest one. And that kind of makes sense. If you think about what can you attach to a branch circuit, 
there's such variety. There's so many different kinds of loads, some with very specific needs. So we want to give Article 210 the attention that it needs. So next time, look for branch circuits, the general requirements. Again, I thank you for listening. If you found this episode on a site other than our website, please go to www.inw-training.com for the lecture notes and additional information. Until next time, this is your host, Frank Seiler, signing off from Spokane, Washington.